thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Linda Yellen, Jill Eikenberry, Patricia Richardson, and Joe Beth Williams, the director and stars of the new film Chantilly Bridge. For the first half of the interview, I'm joined by Joe Beth Williams, and after the break, in the second half, I have a group interview with Linda, Jill, and Patricia. Chantilly Bridge reunites a group of lifelong, steadfast friends who are still in their later years chasing their dreams, fighting injustices, and sticking up for their convictions. The women lay bare their lives and deal with important issues that impact all women with humor, humility, humanity, and love. Big thanks to Bookman's for sponsoring this episode and to Fort Worth for letting us use their song at the end. If you'd like to connect with the show, the best place to find us online is at followingfilms.com or on Twitter by following at followingfilms. Please leave us a review and follow the show on Spotify. It really does help. You can also support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash followingfilms slash support. Chantilly Bridge will be in theaters this Friday, April 7th. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you happen to be in New York, definitely check the film out. I think you'll enjoy it. Can you see me okay? Or I can see you, yes. Can you see me? I can, yeah, absolutely. But this is a recording only, right? Oh, yeah, this is audio only. I just tend to go on video just so I can see the person that I'm talking to, but I don't use the video for anything. I totally understand. It is easier to talk to an actual face, I know. Yeah, you get those visual cues that let, let you know when you're supposed to jump in a little bit easier. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure because this is a a project that means a lot to me. So it's easy for me to talk about it. I can see why. I've watched it twice now. I really, really enjoy this movie. Um, As somebody who, when I get my hair cut, I see more gray hair in my lap than brown hair at this point in time. (laughs) I wouldn't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's wrestling with a lot of the ideas that um, are things I'm thinking about at this point in my life and things that I've been thinking about for a long time. The idea of what this age would be right now, I'm 46, when I was 26 was wildly different. And I'm sure that the idea of what I'm going to be when I'm 66 is going to be wildly different than what I think of it is now. I always was under the impression there's a line that you have in this film that was just absolutely surmised my philosophy to some degree, uh, my worldview, that I thought I was going to grow up one day, that I was going to know what it was like to feel like an adult and that I would finally get all this together. And I I haven't. And so I'm getting more comfortable with the idea that I'm always going to feel kind of like a phony that I never really grew (laughs) up to some degree. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, basically there is the child in all of us that remains because there is so much that changes and so much that so much wonder about all of the change. Um, I know technology today to me is, yeah, I feel like an alien from another planet, you know, and I do feel like a child in a way because I haven't learned that. I didn't grow up with that. Um, so it is, it's a very interesting time. And, uh, you know, these, these actresses, these women, we've all been friends for 30 something years. And, uh, and to see, the wonderful performances that they all give in this one and to remember working with them in the first one, um, I find so moving and, uh, and to see the changes and yet they're all still beautiful. 
they were beautiful then and they're still beautiful now. So it's it's great to see that, especially a group of women. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, this movie is um the way that I think about it, it's like overhearing a conversation. You know, you go out to dinner and you sit next to some people that are talking, they're having this just really engaging conversation. It's something that seeing a film like this and being able to have a much better understanding of my wife, having a much better understanding of the friendships that she's had for 30 years now going on that plus, and just seeing that represented in a way that you normally don't get to see. And there's things that I see that just aren't addressed, you know, something where she's a stay at home mom. And I never hear that discussed in a way that feels honest. And I feel like the way the mother daughter relationship is explored in this film with the stay at home mom is something that I just, I never saw that the idea that, you know, the sacrifices that my wife made for our family, they're not appreciated internally in our family for what they should be. And it's something they're not appreciated as a society. And I think that I need to do a better job of making my two boys understand what she's done and what she's given to our family and the gift she's given us. And this is just kind of one of those not so subtle reminders that I need to do a better job. Well, you're an admirable man then, I will say. <laughs> no about that. I'm, I might have my moments here and there, but I'm, go, I'm going on 15 years almost of marriage at this point. And, you know, one thing I've definitely learned at this point is to try to admit fault quickly and recognize it and move on. And that if there's anything, um, letting go of being stubborn, I think there's idealism that you have when you're young that as I've aged, I've let go of a lot of the things that matter. I think I have a much better grasp of than when I was younger at this point. Good. I mean, I think that's what marriage and and having kids does. You you realize that the the little things and the 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 you know the little hurts and the little pride and all of that stuff ultimately isn't worth it. You know, it just isn't worth it, and uh, and turns out to be detrimental in in those relationships. One hundred percent. Yeah. And so when Linda calls to say. Okay, we're, we're we're getting the band back together. We're doing this film. Um, what's your immediate reaction to that after the okay? How? <laughs> so then, um, well, you know, it's interesting because um, this sort of idea started with me having lunch with Linda in New York. We're we're very good friends, and yeah. so I was in New York, and we were seeing each other and <clears throat> talking about work and how frustrating it is the same things that that the first Chantilly Lace grew out of was a conversation between me and Linda at a party where we were talking about, you know, well, we're in our forties now and, you know, where are the roles for women that are meaty and meaningful and blah, blah, blah. And then from that brilliant woman that she is, she sort of took that and came up with this idea um, and got all of us involved. And it was so exciting and it was so fun to do and so meaningful to to all of us i think and then it happened that uh like maybe 3 years ago um i was in pre covid definitely i was in new york and having lunch with linda and again we were talking about you know it's so frustrating to be in our 70s and you know <laughs> where are where are the projects for us that for both her as a writer director and me as an actress and um, although certainly things have changed in our business, and I think certainly we see, um, fortunately, a lot more roles for women 
today than we did in um, the early '90s when we were talking about this. Um, and we and and I just said off the top of my head, well, we should do a sequel to Chantilly Lace, you know, because I did the Big Chill, and everybody is always saying to us all the actors to Larry Kasdan, when are you going to do a sequel so we can see everybody now? You yeah. know? And his answer is never. <laughs> but, uh, but Linda and I were talking about it and, <clears throat> and I thought, Oh, that would be great. And then I paused and I said, the only problem is I can't be in it. And she said, Oh yeah, that's right. You died in the first one. <laughs> and she said, I have an idea. You could play your younger sister. And I thought about that and I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. And then I thought, I think that would be really odd. And and I think I would feel odd doing it. And I think nobody would buy it um, unless she were my twin sister, you know. Um, So I said, you know, I don't think I can do that. So. I wasn't involved in the actual shooting of this one. Um, and I had no idea that she was going to make me the narrator <laughs> from heaven, I guess. <laughs> um, and when she first said that, I kind of went, okay. And and so I did some voiceover for her. You know, she sent me some lines and I said, just try it and see how it fits in, which is, the way she creates, you know, mm-hmm. we all we all improvised in the first film. They all improvised in the second film, uh, which is an amazing way to work and really challenging, but really fun. Um, so she tried the narration and she felt like it was working. And then she started putting in flashbacks from the first film so that they wouldn't the audience would know what they were talking about. And uh, and so they did see me as Natalie in those years. And when I saw the movie, I was um, I was really amazed at how well she enfolded all of that material in into the film. And did you have that same freedom to improvise and find your way through the narration? It feels like that would need to be a little bit more structured. Is that? It was. It was structured. And she sent me a script and she said, you know, if there's anything you don't like or that you feel. And so we worked on it together a little bit. But the basics of what she sent me were were really there. Um, I would not have felt comfortable improvising because it's, you know, it's part of the editing, editing process, really putting it putting that together. Well, you're 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 the spine of the story. You're the kind of moving from beat to beat and holding the film together. And if it doesn't have that, and you just go off on a tangent that doesn't fit for the film, it just yeah, couldn't. That that makes perfect sense. Um, did you have any sense of wanting to be there on set when you were going through and you're seeing Absolutely. the film? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, I was going. Where? Why wasn't I there? Because they're all so good. And, um, you know, it looks like a lovely place where they shot, although it was yeah. winter in upstate New York. And I know that they were virtually frozen in. So in that way, I was sitting in L.A. going, well, <laughs> OK, I'm it's like December and I'm here in L.A. and they're in upstate New York. So I wish them well. Um, that, you know, 
you know, not, not perhaps the most gracious feeling on my part, but I did, I did, I wished I were there. I think, uh, I think it would have been fun to be part of it, but I would have just been hanging around basically. Of course. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And then frozen tundra. (laughs) No, I, as somebody who used to live in Northeast New Jersey, upper state New York in the winter, no, there, there, there's maybe four months out of a year. I want to go anywhere near that part of the country. And that's right. it. I'm, I'm, I'm an Arizona boy. I have no interest in that, that, that part <laughs> of the country at that time of the year. So no, thank you. Um, so then it, it's interesting that you brought up the big chill. Cause I kind of thought about this thematically as a continuation of the, that work, that idea of nostalgia and looking back and owning the moment that you're in. And that if we, there's a danger in painting your rearview mirror with those rose-colored glasses or that view that's not completely honest. And I feel like in all of these films, all three of these films, there's an element of that, of looking back and then owning the moment that you're in. And it's just, this has been kind of a theme throughout your career at this point. You know, it seems like once every 10 years or so, you'd step in to do this uh, kind of check-in on uh, both everything that's come before and what you see ahead of you. So this, this is something that clearly means something to you, this type of uh, these themes. It does. It absolutely does. And and I feel really, really lucky to have been involved in both The Big Chill and Linda's movies. I've done, I think, four or five movies with Linda Yellen. You know, the you other- did the film festival one, right? Was that- Yes, the last film festival okay. with Dennis Hopper and Jacqueline Bissett and uh, yeah- did that one, did the one called Parallel Lives, which had everybody in it from Liza Vanelli to Dudley Moore to um, Jenna Rollins and Ben Gazzara. I mean, it yeah, was, to, to say, say that she puts together ensembles is an understatement with the exactly, cast that she puts together. Exactly. So. And it's extraordinary because, you know, it's not like we were getting paid a lot for any of these, but everybody wants to, wanted to be involved. They want to be part of it. And which is part of the joy of it. And then do you enjoy working on ensembles like that? Is those kind of just being a smaller part of this larger piece, or do you like having that sort of center focus on a film? Well, it depends. I mean, I, I, I come out of theater and I'm still right. in theater. And, uh, and my, uh, after I graduated college, my first job for almost three years was with a repertoire company. And so I was very comfortable and used to the the idea of working with an ensemble. And, you know, sometimes you'd have a lead, sometimes you'd have, have a secondary role. Um, and so I I do enjoy that way, I uh, working that way. I like the give and take of it. Um, I, I also have enjoyed, you know, being the leads, being the star of, of some movies and, uh, you know, Poltergeist and and one called American Dreamer and a few others, where it was really fun to kind of be able to, you know, strut my stuff, if you will. Um, but I I genuinely enjoy working off other actors. To me, that's the that's the juice. That yeah. that's what I get out of being an actress. Um, is working off other people. And it's fun because if they're really good actors, you bounce the ball back and forth and you never know 
whether you're going to get a lob or get, you know, a, a, a low net shot or a drop shot. And, uh, and so I, I, I do, I love doing those ensemble things. And especially uh, with her films, they've all been pretty much improvised, mm-hmm. which um, is, is tons of fun. And if you're working with other people who are good at that and can do that, it it really is great. If someone isn't comfortable doing that, then you know it's not as much fun. But um, I've I've really loved working with everything I've done with Linda. Do you find that your theater background helped with improvisation, the ability to kind of be there in that moment? Um, even though there's just if you're doing Neil Simon, that's those are, those are the words you need to say that night. But there's these little adjustments that seem to make each performance unique and to be there and be caught up in that and but there is something that's whole you can't just not be 100% there and there's something that is so beautiful and fleeting about theater that I love that it you know you can see the exact same words four nights in a row and have four wildly different um performances so do you think that translates into that sort of more improvisational style of filmmaking I think so because uh and also, you know, the way I was trained, I was trained in the in the Sandy Meisner's technique. Okay. And and it was work moment to moment off the other actor, um, not write your own words. That was not what he was saying. Yeah. Although we did do some improvisation kind of uh, exercises, but uh, y- y- the words come out of the behavior is what he always said. Um, and so I think that that lends itself to being able to just kind of go with the flow of whatever somebody else is giving you. And that includes lines that you don't expect. You know, it's it's like somebody having to going up on stage and having to improvise their way out of it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be fun or not so fun. <laughs> Uh, I've had it be both. Um, Shakespeare doesn't work too well when you're trying to dig yourself out of it that way. Um, but but it's hard, hard to improv in an iambic pentameter. That doesn't really work. It does really, it? really is. I, I mean, I, I remember doing Antony and Cleopatra at the Old Globe, and uh, I, I was Cleopatra, wow. and Antony gets raised up. I'm he's you know been mortally wounded and i'm up on top of a pyramid thing and they're raising him up and and his beer that he was resting on got stuck down below so i'm saying oh antony antony come to me antony and that i couldn't really say you know fix the rope and send him up <laughs> so all i could say was come to me antony come to me God damn it, get up here. Um, so that that's not a lot of fun. But uh, but in this situation with Chantilly Lace and Chantilly Bridge, <clears throat> you know, it, it they just kept rolling if if wild things were happening. And uh I love that. And and I love that in those cases they're captured on film. Yeah. So she had them, you know, she had all that stuff. I don't know if you knew, but uh, we, uh, in the first one, it was three acts. Um, the first act was my 40th birthday party. The second was a shower, a wedding shower. And then the third one, we drew straws to see who was dying. 
I did not know that. That's yes, we did. <laughs> and Lindsay Krause was like the third one of us to draw a straw, and she screamed. And I thought, oh, good, she's the one who's going to die. It's not going to be me. And and lo and behold, she screamed because she didn't get the, right. the death straw straw, and I did. And so I had ten minutes to go and write a. a a final farewell speech to my friends and they were going to record it. And, you know, I, and it was, I got to pick how I died, what I had, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was so weird. It was just so wild to, you know, come up with, okay, I think I'm about to, to kill, take my own life because I have a terminal disease. And that's why I'm saying, goodbye to all of my friends and it was it was wild to shoot it it really was that's so funny that this little drawing straws this moment has this effect that's still being felt 30 plus years later i mean it's the reason that i'm i'm not in that movie really because (laughs) i'm i'm sorry i died so you know but, but that's also so interesting because this version of the the film Chantilly Bridge is about aging and about facing death and about um how we cope with that and uh and so it's so interesting how that fed into these women remembering when I died and these women facing their own mortality now which I think Absolutely. is kind of a beautiful bookend pair of bookends well i'm i'm hoping that the story continues after this that we pick up on this in another five years from now that we don't wait too long because i would like to revisit these women i would like to see where these stories head because i think there's more story ahead of them that there you could revisit these stories again but the idea of facing your mortality it's something that as a society as a culture we don't have these conversations we hide from them we ignore them and i think we we don't embrace that part of our life, the inevitability of death, and we just sort of ignore it. And I think that a film like this is something that's really positive for opening up those conversations. I hope so. I mean, I think I know that so many women, especially from the first one, said, you know, you you really made us think about things that we don't and talk about things with our friends with our family that we don't normally talk about and i hope that this movie does the same and i'm sure it will because it it's i think they're also moving in it you know they're they're all wonderful and um and i know them and they made me cry <laughs> so. no th- th- there's moments in this movie that absolutely broke my heart that but then they're they're also intercut with things that are and it it's so honest. It's it is that thing about acting the lie that tells the truth, um, where it's these tragic moments that are interspersed with these moments of levity. And you know, you think of the the moment with the the retirement where this woman is being retired from work and this misunderstanding, which is just as it's just a silly, goofy little mistake that would be almost in a sitcom. But then there's the way that she plays it. It's so honest and real, and it's heartbreaking to see that. But then it's also funny at the same time, and it's that's 
absolutely what life is like because I've never been to a funeral of a close friend where there weren't laughs at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the people that knew that person best will have a moment where, you know, whether it's in the funeral home or afterwards where you will be commiserating and connecting and you'll have that lightness that you feel in really remembering and celebrating that person. And I feel like that's the reality of it, of life is that we vacillate back and forth between these really dark feelings and these really light moments and just the joy of it. And it's, it's complicated to pull off, but I think this film does it beautifully. I think so too. And I, I really hope, you know, that it gets a lot of eyes. I really do. I mean, it is going to be in a, in an actual movie theater starting tomorrow. It's opening in New York at the, um, I think it's the village East in New York city. And then it's going to be streaming a lot on on different platforms. So I think it'll get a lot of views. I really do. And well, I think I th- it- there's a need for it. There, there's a need for films like this. This is an absolutely a underserved um, type of film where this is the type of film that made me love movies in the first place. You know, when if I think back when I was a kid, it was... I remember very clearly in heavy rotation on HBO being the big chill and poltergeist. And for some reason, as an 11 year old kid, the big chill was something that I would try to watch with friends and they'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you want to watch this? Let's watch poltergeist. And so, and I love both these things, but it was really, it was this, it was an entry into my parents that I could see them as human beings through that, that I could see them as people that were making mistakes. I could see them as people with fully with regrets. I could see them as people that made mistakes. And it was just this really beautiful thing as a kid that I really loved. And and those, so to me, like the Toby Hooper Spielberg movie, I love that. I loved it, but it was like, that isn't what made me love movies. It was that kind of connection to something that I couldn't even express that made me love it. And I think this is a beautiful continuation of that. Well, you're an amazing, you were an amazing kid. To, to I, was, be no, I was, I was a weirdo. I was a strange. Boy. No, no, you, you know, look at Steven and the Fablemans. I mean, yeah, uh, very true. That's true. He yeah. was a weird kid. Many, many, most creative people I think are uh, not weird, but maybe a little different in their childhood. I, 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 it's a badge of honor to me. I don't, I don't mean that. And there's no pejorative when I say I was a weird little kid. That's uh, my favorite people were weird little kids. So I, I'm totally fine with that. I have no problem with that at all. But I do think you're right. I think, I think audiences are hungry for this kind yes. of, of movie about human connection. Um, because I, I went to see, um, Dungeons and Dragons yesterday, which yeah. was so much fun. And I really enjoyed it. And it does have, connections even in the midst of all the crazy stuff yep. and everything but every single movie that was the 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 trailers that were shown were all you know marvel movies of some kind or right. the 15th spider-man and 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 that's great you know there is a place for that but absolutely deep inside us as human beings we want to see stories about other human beings connecting to each other and i think I think this is one of those movies that people will be hungry for. Oh, absolutely. And I, I know we're almost out of time, but yes, this is absolutely the type of movie that we're hungry for because a lot of those big movies that are fun and they're like cotton candy. They're to me, empty calories where you have a good time with it. But by the time you're walking out of the multiplex into your car, you've started to forget what you even saw. 
before it. But then if I look back at, you know, when I saw the adding machine at a black box theater, you know, 20 years ago, I still remember moments from that. And it just, it just, it's etched into my DNA now. And I think that when you have these types of stories that are about performance, about humanity, and it's really just getting out of the lay and let actors tell a story. That's the stuff that really is exciting that la- that leaves a lasting impression with me. So at the very least you got one, but I know there's a lot more of me out there. Looking for this stuff. <laughs> I, I hope so. I really hope so. Awesome. Well, it was really nice to meet you. I really do appreciate it. And best of luck with this film. You, you got something special here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you too. You as well. Take okay. care. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. This week I went into Bookman's and I was looking for a film, something that reminded me of a film festival, be it a film that got its start in a film festival or something that was perhaps about the experience of going to a film festival. I went over and looked through the 4k discs and the Blu-rays and the DVDs. Nothing was really jumping out immediately. So I went over to the box set section. And I came across Ingmar Bergman's cinema. If you're not familiar, Bergman was a master storyteller who startled the world with his stark intensity and naked pursuit of the most profound metaphysical and spiritual questions. The struggles of faith and morality, the nature of dreams, and the agonies and ecstasies of human relationships. Bergman explored all of these subjects in films ranging from comedies, whose lightness and complexity belie their brooding hearts to groundbreaking formal experiments and excruciatingly intimate explorations of family life. Arranged as a film festival, with opening and closing nights, bookending double features and centerpieces, this selection spans six decades and 39 films, including such celebrated classics as The Seventh Seal, Persona, and Fanny and Alexander, alongside previously unavailable works like Dreams, The Right, and Brink of Life. It's also accompanied by a 248-page book with essays on each film. This particular box set has been something of a white whale for my collection, something I've had my eye on for years, and I've just never felt the need to pull the trigger on it. But then I walked into Bookman's, and there it was. And the price was so incredibly reasonable, I had to pick it up. This is something that... I've been wanting to dive into for a long time because with uh, Bergman's filmography, I have a lot of blind spots and I'm really excited to dive in and um, learn more about his work because every time I've gone and watched one of his films, I'm always struck by how his work has been so influential that you can go back and look at these films and you'll see images or themes or just these kind of ideas that he brings up or that he executes in a way that have had just this profound impact on filmmaking. And you start to see, I guess, what feel like tropes later on, but this is the source. This is where they came from. And it's just really fun to go back and uh, dive into this work. And so I'm really excited to start going and seeing some of these films that I've never seen before. And so was able to get this at Bookman's and you should go to Bookman's too and see what you might uncover. Remember Bookman's has your cool covered. Enjoy the show. Okay. 
Perfect. Thank you all so much for taking the time to do this today. I really do appreciate it. Um, I, I had the pleasure of watching the film twice now, and I'm just wondering if real quick, um, Patricia, Jill, if you have a sidebar real quick and tell Linda she needs to make more fucking movies, that I need uh, more of her yeah. movies. <laughs> Thank you. They actually are pretty good at doing that. Good. Thank you. Good. Cause this is, um, this is the type of movie that I absolutely adore where it feels like I'm eavesdropping that you're just overhearing a conversation that's happening. You're at a restaurant, you sat a little bit too close to the table next to you and you just hear people going into something. You have this sort of view this um, into this world that you otherwise wouldn't get to see. And there are moments here that are so completely raw that um, just personally as a, as a husband, um, my wife stays at home with our children. And there's a moment with Helen Slater in this film that absolutely devastated me when her and her daughter have this confrontation. And it's this thing that I've heard. It's not exclusive to um, mothers and to their daughters. There's something with sons that happens here as well, where I've heard these similar things echoed in my sons. And it, it feels like a failure as a father and as a husband that I haven't really explained the importance of what she's doing in this, in our family dynamic. And it's just one of those things to hear that just broke my heart in half. So, I mean, thank you for exploring that idea because it's something that I think we do not talk about enough. Wow. Thank That's you. Awesome. Could, could you be our publicist? <laughs> 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 well, it, I, this is the the type of film that it, it inspires conversations. It gets you thinking and gets the wheels moving. I'm just wondering um, if Jill, Patricia, could you talk a little bit about the idea of kind of getting the band back together after all these years and coming back to this material and what that was like when you first got the uh, the script for it? This is Patricia's first film. She didn't do Shenzhen. Oh, got it. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. right. So it's just Jill. We brought her in. Both of them. That you time. came into the fold, so. But, but she knew about the film, and uh, oh, yeah, I saw Shenzhen when it came out. But um, yeah, it was it was really um, when Linda called. As I said, I was my first reaction was, "You, you really think everybody wants to see what we look like now?" <laughs> <laughs> ah, but then. <laughs> But then I got so excited about seeing everybody again. You know, we had such an amazing time with Chantilly. It was a very deep experience because we lived together as well as filming together. And, and those kinds of bonds, you know, are forever. And we hadn't seen as much of each other in recent years. And it was just extraordinary when we first came together. It was like, oh, this, this is awesome. Um, and that's what it was uh, the whole time. We were also living together. Pat was living with us, too. And we, we, we bonded in that way that you do, uh, you know, when you're doing something scary, which is that you, that you're, you're out there, um, you know, uh, find, doing some improvisation, some, there's a lot of unknown, it's, you have to, you have to move fast, um, and we're uh, really cold, because it was really cold up there, <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was just an extraordinary time, and I'm so thrilled with the way the movie has come out, thanks to all those years of editing, uh, I, I just I'm so moved by it, and and so moved by the idea of of, of time and what time does to friendships. I, I'm just blown away by it. I'm glad you are too. Well, Linda, could you talk a little bit about that uh, revisiting this after this time and sitting with this and how you, she said years of editing? Can you talk about the process of writing? To how far into this are we at this point? Well, um, three years uh, and a year to, to sell it. So really, during that time, so over three years, in a sense, wow. and almost a year. Um, I, I think 
Uh, it's something I thought about for a long time doing. We, 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 when we made the first one, Chantilly, with a fever and great support from our studio in Showtime, we, we delved into uh, a completely different story where everybody got to play completely different characters. It was called Parallel Lines and Important Men. Um, and we knew that we wanted to do someday revisit Chantilly. Uh, but the complexities of rights situations, I knew I didn't want to make another piece unless I there was enough time so that it could be very reflective, but also to be able to use footage from the first film to show how people age, truly age, not with makeup or not other people playing, but really see that on screen. So that took more years than, than we thought because for good reason, because Showtime had the rights and really liked it and kept showing the original. And, and so it was worth waiting though. I think the length of time has added to the richness of the story because we're all in such different places in our lives now. And uh, it really becomes a true memory piece. On the editing front, it's never been more challenging with COVID because editing for me with all these various pieces is a very organic, touchy-feely thing. And I like to sit next to the editor just like I'm sitting next to, you know, to, to Jill and Pat. And we had to do it remotely over COVID. Then about a third of the way through, a quarter of the way through, because of COVID, the editor I had basically, you know, family tragedies around that and a you know, nervous breakdown almost. And, and so we had to stop and then find someone else. And lo and behold, there was a kid who was basically an intern, had really never edited anything before. And he became my remote technical voice. I worked with him six days a week, wow. like eight hours a day. And uh, he, Nick Guy's in the first credit that you see. And could you talk a little bit about the vulnerability of a piece like this where the you're leaning into performances and writing? There's not some sort of the set pieces are all emotional that you have in this. And it's something that I would imagine, you know, doing other types of films, you can say that there's things that you can lean into and kind of hide behind. But really here, if the performances aren't working, if the writing isn't working, it's just going to be so upfront and personal. It's like this is essentially like a black box play where this is performance is absolutely at the center. And if it doesn't work, and in fact, the way that you show this and sort of show the original film together, it almost feels like two acts of a play where you have the first half is the first film, second half come after an omission 25 years later, different cast coming together kind of has that feel to it. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about, um, I haven't had much to ask you, Patricia, to the vulnerability of playing character like this and playing something that's so naked. I mean, I, it's the stuff I'm attracted to as an audience member, but as performer, frightens me. One of the things about being older, always being older and doing this, is that unfortunately we've been through uh, um, more uh, losses and grief. And um, so my character has, you know, already um, had a, a very complicated relationship with Natalie, Joe Best's character, and uh, with my mother. And so. I'm dealing with the grief of that, but I'm having this um, uh, comforting presence of these women who I don't really know that well in the beginning, but um, get to feel more and more comfortable with and and really taken care of by them. And um, the, the film comes, is still a very emotional experience because there's always something happening that's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, 
yeah, I, I just felt incredibly lucky to be in this group of women and, and to get to play this particular part. I said the other night, I didn't talk too much. Um, I grew up, my father was an aviator, test pilot, and uh, then went into the aeronautics. And we moved all the time. And I never went to school longer than two years. And I don't have the experience of having one group of, a group of women friends. I, I have a few from high school, a few from college, but everybody lives in other places. And so I don't have that thing. I have a book club, but oh, shoot, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I, this was for me, uh, in a way, it was a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Cathartic. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and surprising <laughs> and satisfying, but also at the end, I'm like, oh, I'm going back to not having a big group of female friends. Yeah. You know, and it's too late for that. I mean, these friends have been friends for what? How many? Their whole lives. I don't know what that's like. And I think most of us don't. And the the one thing, if there was any positive from COVID, it was the things that we were pushed into each other, into those relationships that we have. And you did have to lean on those people that were immediate to you when that was your circle, that was your bubble, that's all you had. And I think this is a really interesting piece because it feels like absolutely of this time where it feels like it's about this without being about it at the same time, where it feels like this is something you could watch 20 years from now and it would still absolutely hold up. It doesn't feel like a COVID film, but it absolutely speaks to a truth I think we've all been dealing with. And it's those long-term friendships and how important they are and how we lean into each other and how we are, none of us are islands. And I just really did love this movie and had a great time with it. And even though this was absolutely not made about me, I feel like it was made for me. This was something I needed to say. Okay. So thank you for that. It's so wonderful. Thank you so much. I no, no. Th thank you for doing the film. It was great. And it was really nice to meet all of you. So thank you. And good luck. This is definitely going to be one that uh, people are going to be talking about for a little bit. I'm just, I'm sad I didn't get to see it with an audience. We have conversations coming out. It's a really hopeful Thank so you. We hope so because it will give an opportunity to make more films like this. I, yes, yes, please. I see you have one coming up soon. It would be I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> We don't, you don't need to wait 30 years for the next one. No, no, no. no. We're already kicking with this enthusiasm. It, it's just about getting audiences, we're talking about, to somehow build word of mouth. And in this world, it's just such a short window of time to do that. So any suggestions you have? <laughs> well, I, the, the thing is, there's there's an audience for this. We're starving for material like this. I mean, I, I, I personally know that... Um, you know, the spectacle, the bombast, these things that we mostly get in multiplexes, they don't really speak to me that much. They're fine. They're entertaining. I enjoy those things. But really something like this, this is the reason I fell in love with film. This is the reason I fell in love with acting. This is the reason that I'm sitting here today is for work like this. So thank you. I, I really do thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much, Chris. Oh, absolutely. Uh, take care. Have a good day. It was nice to meet you all. They, they, they will. They will. I, 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 I know they will. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Wisecrack.